It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. is the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor with Rick Boring. As we look back at a Bengals 32-13 win over the Las Vegas Raiders, as always, this podcast and our weekly podcast brought to you by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. 32-13, Rick, it looks like an ass-kicking, and it kind of was in a weird way, but... Um, offensively, not a lot of Bengals yards, but efficient of Bengals yards. They had 23 first downs and 288 yards. The defense other than one drive was great. Uh, and Evan McPherson can kick them from 9,000 yards away. So good win. Yeah. Just not extra points, but he's yeah, great exactly. if, as long as he's 50 <laughs> yards out. Um, it felt to me like the Bengals were fighting themselves almost as much as they were battling against the Raiders. Like when they, when the Bengals were right, it felt like they could do whatever they wanted in this game. It just seemed like it took forever to get themselves on track offensively. Fortunately, the defense was good enough to bail them out all game. Yeah, I think some of that is your offense is still meant to hit big chunk plays. You got big chunk players, right? You know, Jamar Chase is a big chunk player. And T, when things are going well, is a big chunk player. And Joe's a big chunk throw guy. And even though I, I kind of wrote about this leading into the game, and, and we may have even talked about this, the, the way that they play defense, the, the Raiders, it's still hard to take a deep breath and go, all right, I got to take the check down. Or I got to take the screen to get us into to field goal range. Or we got to keep running the football, even though it's not working well in the first half. And some of that, the offensive line was not great in the first half, not even good in the first. They weren't even mediocre in the first half. And as the game wore on, I thought they did a great job of protecting Joe and, and opening running lanes for Joe Mixon. And I think their plan all along was, let's pound this thing as many times as we can. Let's use the short passing game. But all it takes when you're trying to do that is one derailed play. And they were bailed out a little bit by some stupid, stupid Raiders penalties. And you got to admit, there were some stupid Raiders penalties in that first half. Um, but it did keep some drives alive. And I, I think you're right about the fight themselves. It's the matter of... Just sometimes in some games, especially against defenses like this, you just have to be patient. And I thought they finally settled in and did that. Yeah, uh, credit to them for sticking to the game plan of pounding Mixon and pounding Mixon and pounding Mixon, even when they kept getting their drives derailed by a two-yard loss on a first down run or a four-yard loss on a second down run. I mean, they kept pounding him the entire game. 30 carries in this one is his season high. Tied his career high. Yeah, he's only done that one other time back in right. 2019 against the Ravens, and that was in a total ass-kicking for the Ravens. It was 49-13. That was the year the Bengals only won two games, I think. Right. So right. the fourth quarter, they were able to dominate, put up all those points, and Mixon controlled the rest of the game and, and ran out the clock basically on him and, and made what looked like it was going to be kind of a, a close second half into a, a blowout win. So I give them credit for sticking with it, but – they were a bit of a disaster at times in the first half, to be quite honest. And had they not gotten some help from those penalties, who knows where this game would have been? Yeah, I agree. Um, but listen, hey, in this league on the road, um, it's not going to be pretty a lot of times. And I think the fact that the way they responded at 16 to 13, I really felt good at 16 to 6. When McPherson hit that that field goal to make it 16 to 6, the way the defense was playing, I thought, all right, Raiders, I don't think you can get back to that. And it was bing, 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 three plays, 75 yards, touchdown, 16-13, still just barely under 12 minutes to go. And at that point, not anybody in Bengals Nation went, oh, yeah, we're good. No, you weren't good. And yet the offense then responded with a really quality drive, chewed up six minutes plus, touchdown to Chase, interception by Apple, touchdown by Mixon, and suddenly game set. It went from, oh, my gosh, I'm going to sweat this game if I'm a Bengals fan to, 
wait a minute, they just put this game away. And I, I think that's a good response coming out of the bye on the road. I'm, I'm more than good. I don't need, I don't need aesthetics all the time. I, I need oh, performance hey, and I thought it was good. This isn't college football. There are no style points, right? right. Everyone's a top 32 team in the country and in this deal. And, and that's you good, just, that's a, good, that's a good way to put it. Actually, I never thought of it that way. You know, I mean, uh, you just got to uh, find a way to win every game. That doesn't although matter. Although Georgia, Georgia might be Detroit, but I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's another subject. Let me ask you about Tyler Boyd. He had the most targets on the team with eight. He goes six catches for 49 yards. Did Joe make it a point to include him in this one? Did Zach self-evaluate during the bye and think, yeah, maybe the media and everyone talk about this is right. We do got to find Tyler Boyd more. Or was it just about what the Raiders defense was giving him? I think some of both, and I don't want to cop it out because I'm going to give you an answer to both. I think part of it is, yes, that's what their defense does. They play a lot of that three-deep zone, and there are holes there that um, last week Kansas City used with their running backs and Travis Kelsey, and the Bengals used with Tyler Boyd. Um, at the same time, Zach's answer today, and I don't have it in front of me, but I actually used it in my fifth quarter, was that he kind of sounded like he forgot a little bit about Tyler Boyd last week. Um, and maybe Joe forgot a little bit about Tyler Boyd. I think I made the point on our weekly podcast, and I had this, asked this question to Brian Callahan. You know, Jamar Chase got 22 targets and nine catches the last two weeks before today. And it felt like that was Joe kind of locking in on a security blanket when things weren't going right, and I got to find my guy because he makes plays for me. And I get it. I fully get it because the guy had done nothing but make plays for him, right? So that's understandable. But it didn't work great. And, yeah, some of it was Jamar dropped a couple balls, all those things. But still, 22 targets and nine catches is not a good ratio. And it felt like Joe Burrow decided, and so did Zach Taylor, of, listen, against this type of defense, and he's our guy, let's find him in the middle of the field. I mean, even the one play where um, they were hoping Tyler would get a catch and run first down, Rick, the one where they had the, the, the unnecessary roughness, I think it was third and ten, whatever, and he threw a – kind of a crossing route to Tyler, hoping Tyler could race for the first down. He was not going to get there, and he got tackled short. It was almost like, all right, let's make sure we get at least three out of this. Let's not be silly. But maybe my guy can make a catch and run, and he's my guy, and he didn't, and they tackled him, and the guy made a stupid late hit, and the Bengals got a first down to the 11. Next play, Mixon ran 11 yards for the touchdown. So I do think there was a concerted effort. They're never going to admit that. I thought Zach came as close as you could to admitting yeah, yeah, maybe you guys are a little bit right on this. And the, maybe the quote, the quote was, it. it's kind of on me, the last game in particular, right. where he was really focused and didn't get the touches. And sometimes that's just the way the coverage is going to go. Yeah, that was a and that's a dual dual threat answer there, right? Yeah, of, a little talk a yeah, little outside kind, both sides of his mouth, right? Kind of on me, but kind of on the defenses. So yeah, I, I do think there was a little more concerted effort. And and you need to. He's he's just too damn reliable in the middle of the field. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're really effective when they're utilizing him like that. And it also, I think, makes you have to think about more as a defense when you're using every bit of the field. You got the underneath stuff, the stuff over the middle, and he's so effective at that. But then it also puts more pressure on the outside with Chase running down and getting past you if you're thinking about coming up to help with Boyd at all. So I think it's definitely a good idea for them to utilize all their weapons as much as possible. But it was interesting to me that after all the conversation was focused on Boyd and he was so noticeably absent there before the buy that he was the lead in targets in today's game. So, yeah, I I don't, I think, I I don't think it was coincidence. I do think it was somewhat, I do think it was somewhat defense dictated. I will give you that part of it. Um, You know, they, they took a couple deep shots to chase, so they didn't ignore the deep shots, but, I thought both balls Joe didn't throw very well. One Jamar didn't 
adjust overly well, but it wasn't exactly thrown out in front of him. The other one was into a double team. So I think they, they realized when they had a couple shots, they could take it, but he didn't force anything to Jamar Chase. I think that's the key. Occasionally, yeah, you got to do it. Unscripted play. He's running, uh, you know, left to right across the field against man coverage, 60 yards down the field. Yeah, I'm going to throw the ball up and hope he makes a play. And if he doesn't, I'll live to play another day. But I think he got to forcing it to Jamar Chase the last two weeks. The numbers kind of don't lie in that regard. Burrow's day was an interesting one. He goes 20 of 29 in this game, 148 passing yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. He did have the fumble. Let me start with the fumble because I saw a lot of comments on social media about, oh, there it is again. This quarterback has a turnover problem. And I was looking at that play thinking, how in the world is that a Joe Burrow issue? Like he got completely blindsided because Riley Reef got blown off the ball. I'm not sure what he's supposed to do in that situation. That's not a Joe Burrow issue to me. That's a offensive line issue, which was very obvious in the first half. Yeah, the, the only one that I really thought I, I, you know, the couple of deep balls to chase, I can throw some shade at, at Joe Burrow. And I thought the one where he took the sack, Rick, uh, the, on the third and whatever from the 27 that led to the 50, I lose my 50 yard plus field goals, the 53 maybe by McPherson. I thought that was on Joe. They blitzed the safety, held it for a long time, held it for a long time. I'm not expecting everybody to pick up a safety blitz. I'm just not. I mean, that's kind of on the quarterback. That one right. I would put on him. But yeah, the fumble, I'm not. The fumble was kind of the typical occasionally in the pocket fluky play where, you know, he doesn't see it coming. Guy takes a swat at it. You're holding the ball like a quarterback should. You're not put, putting it high and tight. You're trying to look downfield, make a throw. Um, yeah, I'm going to put that one on the offensive line, too. See, I, I'm not blaming that one on Joe. I'm putting the sack on Joe. I'm putting a couple yeah. throws of Jamar Chase on Joe. But the thing is, and here's where I go back, then I, I still, this is going to be in the back of my mind until it's not in the back of my mind. The Phil Sims comment of he is Joe Montana. And that's what Joe Montana could some games go 36 of 50 for 410 because that's what he had to do. And he could occasionally go 20 for 29 for a buck 50 and beat you doing that. And that's what good quarterbacks do. Yeah, I think this was the lowest passing yardage total in Joe Burrow's career with 148 yards. Still had a passer rating of 92.3, which isn't, you know, great, great. But last year's pass rating for the season was under 90, which is good. So, I mean, he was still pretty good today overall, right? Took care of the football than the fumble. Um, you know, made a couple big third down plays, like a couple third and twos that, you know, one to T. Higgins I thought was a brilliant play. I thought the, the screen pass that they ran, the, the set up the field goal that made it 16-6 to six was a really good Play design, play call, good patience by him. It, it, you know, P. Ryan almost busted it for a first down. At the least, it guaranteed you a field goal to go up 10. And, and I thought Joe sold it great. So I think sometimes, you know what? Managing the game's a big part, too. And he did that as well. He, I think he's a guy, he can beat you when he has to gunsling on occasion. And occasionally, he's going to have to realize, and this is, I mean, we're talking game 18 or 19 of his career, of going, all right, hey, they're taking this away. I'm not going to force it. I I don't care what my numbers are. I know where I'm supposed to go with the football. That's a winning quarterback to me. Yeah, I would agree. And to be clear, going back to the, the fumble, I wasn't saying that he didn't make some mistakes in this game. And I'm not even right. saying no, no, that. No, no, I know you're not. But yeah, that, that, that play in particular, you're dead right. I mean, that, yeah. And that, I'm not even an saying he issue. doesn't have a turnover issue. Like the, the interception thing this year has been a little bit of a problem at times. But to look at that play and say, oh, yeah, Joe Burrow has a t- turnover issue. That, was good. that goes back to his fumble problem last year. It's like, well, no, I mean, he got blindsided. Who who hangs on to the ball yeah. in that situation? Like, what are we talking about here? I mean, the, the offensive line had some good moments in the run game, particularly in the second half. And then they had some 
really bad moments in pass protection in the first half. Riley Reef uh, gave up six pressures. I saw from pro, pro football focus on 35 uh, snaps, pass protection snaps, and uh, Jonah Williams gave up four pressures. So I guess if you're looking for the bright side, the middle of the line held up much better than they have been. Adenogy and, and Spain just had one pressure and Hopkins had none, but the, the two tackles really had a rough game. Yeah, and I'm going to tip my cap a little bit because those guys, we talked about them coming in and we, we all wrote about them coming in and Gakwe and, and Max Crosby are really good players and uh, I'm not making excuses by any stretch because the tackles weren't good at times, but those are two pretty good players that if you drop back and hold on to too long and some of that's what they want you to do, they want to try to rush four, they feel they got two ends and can get home with four, they feel they can cover you know your three or four guys in the route with seven you're going to hold on to it for a while and we're going to get you and some of it too i think joe a couple of them joe should have probably thrown away the blitz i'll go back to was one he should have absolutely thrown away he he ate it it took him too long and everybody looks at the lie that's all i got on twitter was line blew it again i'm thinking no he held the ball for probably four seconds he tried in theory to let a guy get open nobody got open a safety blitzed I don't even know if there's anybody at fault at all in that other than the quarterback going, I got to get rid of this. I got to get rid of this. And maybe he thought I can take a sack because I got a rookie kicker is going to thump this thing from 53. So I'm not going to throw one away to be stupid or throw one into coverage to be stupid. I'll take my sack and let my kid kick a field goal. And I think that's another part to this is that, that plays into it too of I can hold it. I can hold it. Because you know what? I got a guy's going to make a 53 yarder. And if I'm Zach Taylor, I can run a screen on third and 14 and go, get me eight. If we pop it, great. I want the first down when all said and done. But if we don't, I got kid kicks 50 yard field goal. That is, that is I actually huge. Thought, I actually huge. thought that was a great drive management I did by too. Zach Taylor when he he realized that. I mean, that he did a good job to get him into position, but then he did get pretty conservative. And the screen pass on third and long was a great call because you just give McPherson a few more yards to make it a little bit easier on him. And he's going to give you three points. I, I, that, that does change your offense a little bit. That is a weapon. And it made it feel like a lackluster first half in a lot of ways when they were tripping over themselves and just getting by off Oak, uh, Las Vegas penalties and, and just, ah, you did Eagles. it. You said, I, it. You I know it. I was I close. It. I've been close a thousand times this weekend, but keep going. Yeah. But at the same time, what a weapon that is when you're guaranteed to actually make these 50 yarders. I mean, why ever punt when you get over the 50 at this point? No, dude, I've covered so many Bengals Ravens games and I do this from a Bengals perspective, not as a fan, but just as a journalist with a, you know, I cover this team. So I kind of have an interest in it rooting wise or otherwise. And there's been plenty of games where I've watched the Ravens cross the 50 and go, uh Oh, there's six or seven yards from kicking a field goal. And I, and in my mind, I'm like, as a coordinator, are you trying to keep them from getting to field goal range? Or do you just say, gosh, let's find a way to get the stop, and I don't care what he kicks? And that's just getting across the 50, man. How many teams get across the 50 do you see, Rick, that get to the 39 and go, yeah, fourth and six on a grass field, I'll punt. This team, fourth and six on a grass field from 55-plus, I'm going to let this kid thump one. In fact, I think the first the first field goal that Evan kicked, the 54-yarder, I thought initially the announcing staff said something along the lines of, well, the Bengals will punt here. Oh, no, wait a minute. Here comes the field goal yeah. unit. Yeah, that's like, exactly well, they did. okay. Yeah, that's what they should be doing because they trust the guy. Well, and what they were saying they were going to punt, I was losing my I was mind. too. Because I'm like, I, I, now if, the, you, the only, if you don't I, think he can make this kick, then just go for it. But there's yes. no reason to punt right here. No. And, and obviously, again, in defense of Zach Taylor in that regard, he was not punting it they just made yeah. a wrong read and but i thought the same thing, like oh yeah you're not gonna punt this from here are you really do you not trust i i get it's grass as we saw as the game progressed the grass was terrible but t- dude's a weapon i mean he's made you know do you know what the bengals record for 40 or 50 yard plus field goals in a season was until today rick for a season four 
four by Horse Muleman in 1970. Oh, horse. Dude, dude's got six. He's got six. He tied an NFL single game record for 50 plus yard field goals in a game today in his rookie year. He's six of seven on 50. And the only one he missed was a 57 yarder. I can't remember if that was the one that went over the crossbar or over the goalpost or doinked the goalpost. It was one or the other. Yeah. No, I mean, he's been unbelievable. And and you guys were all going gaga over him in preseason. I was kind of joking about it because I've just never heard media members talk about a kicker like that. But you were all right. I mean, I will give you, I mean, the dude is an absolute stud and it's, a major upgrade from what the Bengals have been going through for hell, probably a decade. I mean, who's the last really good kicker that the Bengals had Jim breach. Yeah. And Jim breach couldn't kick 50 yards. Jim was just no. automatic from, 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 you know, certain distances. No, this guy's yeah. in, uh, this guy's otherworldly. And it's funny. Cause I had somebody say, well, boy, the, how do you explain the green Bay game? Um, because he's a kicker kicking into a small goalpost area into the wind against 49 and 57 yards, and one barely grazed the flag, as you recall. The other hit the upright. Those are two of his three misses on the year. That's pretty damn good. Yeah. One last comment there on Joe Burrow. Yeah. The moment where he grabbed his knee, he got hit from behind and then came up grabbing his knee. That was I mean, just every. Bengals fans worst nightmare I think for this season but thankfully it seems like he was completely fine right no lingering effects or any conversation about that after the game and I was with you because when he hopped up and grabbed it I went oh no then he took a step and it didn't look like a very good step and then he kind of hobbled a little bit more and he got all the way to the sideline at that point I'm like okay he's gonna be okay but yeah I mean in a game like that where the the narrative from fans and I get it because everybody's freaking out of him getting hurt right and I fully understand that but it feels like whenever you get an early barrage of pass rush and then he takes a hit like that, everybody's just waiting for the worst. They're just waiting for the worst. And I fully get it. I, and the funny thing is, I feel like I had finally gotten past that point because he has been hit a decent amount this year. He's looked good. He keeps getting more confident with his mobility and like that run he had early in the game today where they were in man and he just took off on his own and, and looked great running the ball. Oh, I was less and, yeah. less and less worried about him taking hits and getting up and everything like that. And then all of a sudden that happens and he grabs his knee. And I, w- I mean, we, ha- we have to comment on that turf. What What is going on with that turf? Yeah, don't call it turf because I've had people that clap back at me when I said the turf sucks. You know it's grass, right? Oh, yes, I, I do. natural I, turf. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. I'm, yeah, I know. And that's what I said, <laughs> I, said I, I, I clap back at one guy. I can't wait to see what his response is going to be. He's a Bengals fan, but he lives in Vegas. And I got just a snark. You know it's grass, right? I said, yeah, yes. And, in, and I said, in horse racing, they call racing on grass turf racing. I didn't say artificial turf. Grass can be turf as well. And, and uh, I assume this is something like the deal in Arizona where they roll it in and out or something like I don't even don't, know it's not that. permanent. Just, yeah, I don't even know that. Just don't be the smartest guy in the room when somebody says turf artificial turf. Yes, you can call somebody to, to, to task. Turf is turf. Yeah, I mean, plain it's called, surface, Bob called Scott. Do you do you, uh, do you fertilize your grass at your house, Rick? Do you call do you get Scott's turf builder? By we, chance? Do. we do. Uh, it's called turf builder. Is that right? Uh, that's right. Huh, interesting. Unless you've got artificial grass going down. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, though, that, that stuff was goofy. Um, I, I Were the Bengals wearing the wrong cleats? I didn't hear answers to that today. I don't know. Maybe they were. I, I, I But, I mean, especially even the – I mean, the flea flicker play was just a br- – I love the play design, the fake flea flicker. And then Burrow or uh, Mixon runs up the middle, and after eight yards, nobody touches him. He slips and falls. And I'm like, oh, there you go. That would have been a great play. He looked like he was on ice skates the whole game. Yes. I mean, he, he had a great game, obviously, with – 30 carries, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. But could you imagine what it would have been like if he could have kept his footing on some of those runs where he was starting to break away? 
I would have loved to have seen what would happen on on the uh, on the eight yard fake flea flicker run because he yeah. like he had a head head of steam and one guy to run over and truck and keep going. Well, and the, the fake flea flicker was awesome. I think everyone that was enjoyed awesome. that. That, that we got <laughs> the best and the worst with play calling today. The flea flicker, the fake and the flea jet flicker, su- and the jet sweep, and the jet sweep on third and one to chase. Yeah. I mean, that was like as good as of a creative play calls I've seen from this team, and as bad as it gets, all in the same few minutes. The problem is for for Jamar Chase, if he doesn't have space to turn the corner on the jet sweep, he does not read it very well. I don't know if no. the play call was bad or the design was bad. I think well, the decision was the decision was bad because it, I'd rather have Joe Mixon run it there. But they're not the only team that runs third and one jet sweeps. I mean, Debo Samuel does it so well for San Francisco. Jamar just isn't great at it yet. He's he's good when he because he ran. Remember, he ran another one later in the game for what eight or nine yards. But he also got all the way to the corner turn with nobody there to touch him. And so he's able to turn the corner with his speed and get yards. He's not good. I mean, the the, the Cleveland game, he kept stringing it out, stringing out where he probably should have cut it up. This game, same way. You need a yard, Chief. You're a pretty strong guy. Turn and cut it up. Get your yard and be done with it. I don't need you to turn this into a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, although, I mean, I don't think there was ever a yard there on that play. Yeah, there may not have been. There may not have been. From the get-go and they were in the backfield. It just... With the way they were getting into the backfield, and I know maybe that's the concern of, of just pounding Mixon up the middle in that situation is they know it's coming and we haven't been crushing them necessarily up front yet yeah, anyway. Right. So maybe that's why they tried to get a little tricky there. But it just, I know some other teams do it too. I never like that play call on third and one. It just, yeah, it's too cute you. when you yeah, need it is one too, yard. It is too cute. It is too cute. I, I guess the big positive from this game was the defense was yes. great. How much was that? the Bengals bouncing back and really playing a lot better. And how much of that is the Raiders are kind of falling apart. Like we thought they might. Yeah. I think that's, I think, I think a little of both uh, because let's face it. I mean, you didn't exactly play a jets juggernaut offense. Right. And I know it was a new quarterback and all those goofy things that happened with the check downs and the missed tackles. True. Um, but yeah, that, I mean that, that offense is putrid and, and you messed up there. Right. And it's not like Cleveland Cleveland's last couple of weeks offensively since that Bengals game haven't exactly gone swimmingly. Have they? I mean, they were a train wreck today, still won, but they were a mess offensively. And it's the same guy actually getting healthier, supposedly, in Baker Mayfield. And there's still a 55-ring circus. Um, so, yeah, I, I think some of it was they did get better. I, I mean, there was there, count the missed tackles. I don't remember very many. Um, I thought they were sound in coverage. I think they were uh, – they didn't get great pressure on Derek Carr, but some of it he's trying to get it out quickly and – um, you know, they were covered in the underneath stuff. Didn't give up much to Darren Waller. They didn't run the, they didn't let him run the ball at all. 70 yards on 17 carries. And I think nine of those yards on two carries came on the last two plays of the game with the game over. So I think the defense had a nice bounce back performance. I wrote about that in my takeaways. I, I think they get deserve credit, but yeah, the last three weeks, they didn't play very well at the giants. I'm talking about the Raiders, uh, didn't play very well against the chiefs and didn't play very well today. And I think a lot of that's Henry Ruggs related. Um, you know, they took their deep threat away. And Brian Edwards is not a replacement for Henry Ruggs. Deshaun Jackson is a shell of himself. He's not a replacement for Henry Ruggs. And you take that away, then suddenly Hunter Renfro is just a little guy catching nine-yard curls. And Darren Waller, you're going to force feed in the ball. And people are going to take that away. Not always, but they're going to try to take that away. And they're going to try to do a good, they're going to probably do a good job. And then when they can't run it on top of it, that's Raiders related. I don't think that's Bengals related. But listen, you still got it done. Uh, you, they, they gave up 143 yards and seven touchdowns in the first three quarters. The Raiders did have that one drive and then a bunch of garbage yards late. I thought the defense was great. And I think from a, just from a confidence standpoint, nice bounce back. And Eli Apple on top of it. Great interception. I mean, listen, we all ragged on the guy all week. He deserved to be ragged on. The numbers don't lie. The PFF number don't lie. 
But dude made a play when he had to, and you didn't notice him otherwise today in a negative way. So good for him. Well, he had a couple of good tackles, too. I mean, he was part of making tackles in the open field. Von Bell led the team in tackles in this one. Um, Awuzie and Jesse Bates both were up there in tackles. And I Sam 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 Hubbard made a couple of big plays late. Hendrickson makes a big play late. I mean, that's what you that's you listen. I get the defense the the rush wasn't getting there, but when when Derek Carr had to literally drop back in a key stage of the game when there wasn't really a lot of hope left, but they had a little bit. They were two scores down, driving for a touchdown. You get a strip sack from Trey Hendrickson for sack number nine point five of the year, and Sam Hubbard, who had a sack and a tackle for loss. Scoops and tries to score, leads you to that that last mix and touchdown to clinch it. Or last, I'm sorry, last McPherson field goal to clinch it. Um, that's what de- good defenses do, finish it off. Oh, they went back-to-back sacks there. You yeah, know, right, correct. And I mean, that was... Correct. The, the, those are those the plays good teams make, the plays that always seem to happen to the Bengals when yep. they were close and about to win one. It's just, it's how you close and finish a game. And you're right. If It's one thing to not get to the quarterback all game, but when you're able to come through when in the, the big moment and, and make that play, it matters. And that's kind of what the defense did today. They weren't lights out all day, but they hung tough. The, I mean, the early stop after the fumble was, was massive. Huge. I mean, that, that was a big momentum stop right there to, to keep the game on track. 3-3 three, three after the first quarter when the Bengals were, quite honestly, a disaster on offense to start that game. So I, I thought they they really set the tone in a lot of ways and just hung tough. And then when it was closing time, they did. They rose to the occasion and, and made some plays with a couple of sacks and the interception. So it was a bounce back performance. They were definitely better. I like that they were much quicker to come up on the mid-range stuff too. The short underneath passes and the stuff that was in the middle of the field, the things that we've talked about that have been kind of killing them, they weren't coming from four or five yards away to try to make these tackles and then slipping and missing guys. They were hitting them pretty quickly after the catch. They maybe got a step or two upfield, but but they were tackling them much quicker. And, and I think that was smart because, like you said, the Raiders don't have a downfield passing attack. Like, let Waller get his. He goes for 116 yards and seven catches. Great, but they weren't killing you with that. No, you know, right. I mean, right. and they didn't have anything else. So it's like, I, I thought the, the plan of attack was good and they, they executed much better. So that was definitely the big positive sign from the game today. Well, and, and as you know, I mean, we, we talked about it on the podcast on Thursday. I mean, that was the story of the week is what's the what's the real defense? I still don't know if we've got the answer to what the real defense is, but this was an encouraging sign. Um, that's all you were looking for was give me an encouraging sign. It was even more than an encouraging sign. I mean, they they kind of shoved up the Raiders' ass other than one drive. I mean, really did. And and you go back to three of the points were set up when they were at the nine-yard line. They were getting three points there regardless unless they turned it over. And they didn't turn it over. So there's three of the points right there. So maybe I'm too wrapped up in the whole college football playoff mindset right now, but I kind of went into this game feeling like it was an elimination game for either team. Yeah, I think so. Whoever lost the game was going to be really behind the eight ball in terms of their chances to make the playoff. And the team that wins it, Still very much alive. And I think 538 had a stat that uh, they changed the playoff probability. The Bengals are close to 50% again now. So, uh, I mean, it was it was a big win. It was an important game. They're now 6-4. and four. They're 4-2 four and two on the road. Skitty, uh, the overall picture, what's the big picture here from this win? What was Where do you think this puts them? Well, they, they keep talking about controlling their own destiny, and this is an AFC team that gives you an AFC win. I'm, I know I'm stating the obvious, but it gives you a conference win. It now gives you a game up on them um, based on... I'm and they were tied. C- I mean, they were yeah, tied correct. in the playoff And I'm, lo- I'm looking at my CBS Sports app. It is not updated since... And they update the the the, stand, the wild cards. It's not updated since the Steelers lost. But before the Steelers lost, right uh, going into that night game with the Chargers, 
and it's probably affected by the Charger win, and I'd have to know how. The Steelers were the five seed in the wild card. The Bengals were actually the six seed, so the Bengals technically were in the playoffs if they ended after tonight uh, before that Steelers-Chargers game. So I can't imagine that changes the Bengals for the negative. The Chargers do get an AFC win over Pittsburgh. I'm going to guess it bumps the Bengals to technically the five seed. Um, kind of sucks the Ravens won the way they won, but um, yeah, I mean, you've got everything in front of you. And now, you know what you can do next week? You can basically almost eliminate the Steelers too, right? You go to seven and four and they're five, five and one, and you got two games in hand on them. Night, night, they're done. In, in, at least at least where the Bengals are concerned. So you've got literally everything in front of you. And I think that's the mindset they took and they've taken and good for them. Good for this team. Good for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff. It was an important bye week. The way they were going into it, it was it, this season really felt like it could go either way. It was yep. you did a great job to get to the point you were at and, and be in a position that those two losses didn't really kill you, especially because other teams were losing around you in your division. So you weren't out of it, even though you had those those really bad two performances right before the bye week. You just needed to bounce back and respond. And fortunately for them, they they did, and they had a very workmanlike performance against the Raiders and took care of business and kind of blew it open at the end. So again, kind of a fun time to be a Bengals fan as you you head into the next game against the Steelers. They're playing big, meaningful games and that's all you can ask for. Yeah. I thought Pittsburgh looked awful tonight. I just, I, I, I think they come out and roll them on Sunday. Um, I know that sounds crazy, silly, but I just, I've never believed in the Steelers team. Honestly, I think Mike Tomlin should be coach of the year if they finish somewhere around 500. I think they're that bad personnel wise. I think he's done that great of a job as a coach. Um, it, the, 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 I will say the AFC is crazy. The Titans are eight and three with losses, to, losses, to, losses. Think about this: losses to the Jets and the and the Texans, and they're eight and three. Insane. Ravens are now seven and three. Pulled they've pulled two out of their ass with the field goal off the crossbar against Detroit, right? Against Detroit, and then winning today in the last minute plus after they fell behind. Patriots and Chiefs are seven and four. Bengals are six and four. Bills are now. Sluggish is six and four. Chargers are six and four. Colts and Browns are six and five. Raiders are five and five. Broncos are five and five. Seals are five, four and one. And even the Dolphins are four and seven. I mean, just the Texans, Jaguars, and Jets are basically out of it. I mean, can you imagine? You talk about adding that second wild card and what it's done for the AFC in general or just football in general. How many fan bases are still engaged going into week 11? I mean, really engaged going into week 11. And as much as people don't like the expanded playoffs and, and think it it waters it down too much and puts bad teams in and, oh, you got teams with losing records that are still in contention, ultimately, is this not probably good for the sport? Like yes. The more fans that still care about the sport after the midway point and deep into the season, the better it is for your game. That's dude, just dude. true. The NFC is just as kooky. The sixth wild card team, according to this, and I think they do the tiebreakers. The Vikings are the sixth. Believe it or not, they're, they're the second wild card team right now in the NFC. Did you know that? The Vikings, oh. five and five, and the Saints are five and five, and the Niners are five and five, and the Eagles are five and six, and the Panthers are five and six, and good old football team is four and six, and even the godforsaken Falcons are four and six. All those within a game of the last wild card spot. That's crazy. No. Well, I mean, even the COVID year for baseball, which allowed the right. Reds to back their way into the playoffs, it did make it more fun. It made me more interested to right. into the playoffs for baseball. So, so I, I think it does achieve the intended goal to expand the playoffs. And I have to admit, as a Cincinnati sports fan who doesn't get to sniff the playoffs very often, it's working for me. I like it. All right. So nine wins get you sniffed at it. Ten wins, I think, get you in. So I'll leave you with this on the podcast. 
Give me four more wins. Can you find four more Bengals wins, Rick? I think you can definitely pencil in a win over the Steelers at home. Uh-huh. I think they have a decent chance for the Chargers. I mean, that's very much a coin toss game. Yep. The 49ers are at home. It's a game I, I wouldn't feel great about, but I feel I feel okay about that. I don't I don't think they're great. I don't either, but it, I'd say it's another coin flip game. It's similar to the Chargers for me. I think right. both of those teams are, you know, maybe slightly above middle of the pack. And uh well, I mean, they can Denver win on in the road. Yes, they, they can could. win in Denver. And then I mean, I don't think they're gonna beat the Ravens again, to be honest. I think that's gonna be a I bit of a either. revenge game for Baltimore. With, uh, but it with the way that things things have gone with the Chiefs, I'd say that's probably a coin flip being at home as well. So and, can you and who, find and, and who knows where Baker is and who's quarterback in Cleveland at last week? The fact he keeps getting the crap beat out of him every week. Right. So if we're going to say the Ravens game is the only one I feel like is a, a pretty sure loss. I think, I don't think it, and I don't even think it's a pretty sure loss. I'm with you on the, we talked about this. I think it's a revenge tour game for them. I do, but yeah, but so, I mean, if I'm going to say five of the six games are up for grabs and I truly feel that way, I don't right. think there'll be right. probably more of a spread than two and a half points, either direction no, for any right. of those games. That's right. So, yeah, I think you could find four more wins. Now, is it definitely going to happen? No, they could start playing like they were before the bye and lose to anyone in the NFL. But if they play like they did today or like they have for about half of the season, they've got a damn good chance. Agreed. I would agree. All right. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being with us. We'll be back with our weekly podcast. I got to figure out when we're going to do it this week because of Thanksgiving. We'll figure that out. We'll have it up for you at some point. Yeah, and we'll be back with leaving the- for Chicago too. So, <laughs> And we'll be back with the Bengals podcast. Uh, we'll figure that out too. Maybe next Sunday, maybe next Monday. But we'll be back with two more podcasts next week. We promise. We, we just don't know when. You'll just have to figure that out when we post them. Uh, for uh, Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Crime Lab.